As we look at starting a new year, many people will see it as a chance for a fresh start. There's just something about the turning of the calendar that motivates change. But as believers, how should we approach this common practice? Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich points to a biblical approach to starting the new year in a way that's centered on our faith. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, Eyes Looking Forward, from Isaiah chapter 43. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys uh, around God's Word in His house uh, as we take a look and dive in and see what He has to say to us this morning. As I said, we're going to be in Isaiah 43. Uh, we will be reading verses 15 through 21 this morning. 15 through 21. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, <clears throat> and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? <clears throat> I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to come to your house, Lord. It is always such a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful, uplifting experience to come and to, to praise you, to worship you, to lift our petitions to you, Lord, knowing that you have offered for us to come boldly before your throne with those petitions. And Lord, we just ask now that we, uh, as we step into your word, that you will help us to prepare our hearts and our minds. Let us be open and receptive to all the truths that you have for us today. Let us be open and willing to put aside any of our biases or or, or uh, distractions so that we might hear what you have to say today. And Lord, I know I'm not worthy to be the one to stand here and present your message. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you take me and use me as you see fit. Take away anything that could in any way interfere with the message, pride, distraction, selfishness, whatever it might be, Lord. Just help me to remove that. Take it away. Fill me with your spirit that I might only speak the words that you have given me to say. And Lord, as a church, as we continue to Look for decisions, look for guidance, look for leadership from you, Lord, on our next steps, the path you want us to take. Help us to see clearly the direction you want us to go. Help us to see what it is that you want us to do, that we might be busy about your work, busy about uh, proclaiming your name, proclaiming your gospel, exalting your kingdom. Lord, that you might be praised and glorified in all that we do. Let us always be outwardly focused and never turn inward to, to be self-gratifying or self-serving in any way. And Lord, let us as individuals see the need for the gospel all around us, Lord, that we might be bold in proclaiming it and bold in standing up for what is right in a world that has such a declining morality 
and tries to define bad as good and good as bad, help us to stand on our truths, on your truth, stand on our faith, that you might be glorified once again. And Lord, forgive us of our sins. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be celebrating the change in the calendar. For some, it's a chance to go and, and be with others during this time. For some of us, it's uh, early bedtime anyway. Others, it's just simply a change of a calendar. And we're going to close the books on 2023 and open a new book with 2024. Now, a lot of people look at the changing of the calendar as a chance to set new goals, to make lifestyle changes, maybe even try a new start altogether. But whatever the case, many people see the changing of the years as an opportunity for, let's call it a reset, a chance to kind of reset a lot of things in our life. For us Christians, perhaps it's an opportunity to take stock of our spiritual walk, our relationship with God. Maybe 2023 was a good year. Maybe not so much. From what I've seen and what I've heard, 2023 has not been a good year for many people. Perhaps we're ending this year feeling as though we've kind of lost the battle. We've lost the war. And we find ourselves a prisoner to things that have happened. But regardless of whether we see this past year as good or bad, we will soon, it will soon be over. And we will have a brand new year standing before us, ready for us to journey into. Now, our verses this morning have Israel at a bit of a low point in their existence. Their faith, their hope, had reached an utter point of desperation. There seemed to be no future apart from the Babylonian captivity that they found themselves in, and they had endured for many, many years at this point. And yet God came to his people. He came to his people through the prophet Isaiah with a message of hope. But this just wasn't any message. This was an announcement of a new exodus. God had brought them out of the land of Egypt and their bondage there, and he would once again deliver them from a similar circumstance which they found themselves in in that current situation. Excuse me, situation. In this particular instance, God describes the downfall of the Babylonians and their grip on the Israelites. He tells them this is what's going to happen. God in his message, however, takes a bit of a different approach. Kind of interesting how he says it. And in it, God is echoing his actions of the past, but at the same time, he's emphasizing his work for the future. This gives us a great framework in our own minds. That God has been working in our lives all along. He has not abandoned us to flail around on our own, and yet he will continue to work in our lives as we move in to a new year. It's a powerful way of looking at God's involvement in our lives. A powerful way of looking at a new start for the Israelites and perhaps even a powerful way of looking at a new start for us in the new year. It presents for us a very, very good framework for beginning 2024. And that's what I would like to discuss today. The framework that we see presented in, in Isaiah's message to the Israelites of God's plans for them. 
Uh, the first thing that he's, he's stressing to them is to put the past behind and start fresh. Now, I know some of you may look at this point and say to yourself, wow, preacher, did you come up with that all on your own? That's real original. Put the past behind and start new. But before you start thinking that way, I want you to consider what this means for God's people. 2023 might have been a good year or a bad one, as I said. There's some that perhaps look back at the year with a lot of satisfaction. And maybe some that look back with indifference, take it or leave it. Maybe even some that can't wait for that clock to ring midnight and they can bid the year goodbye. But regardless of what you, circumstance you find yourself in, there are three parts to this approach. Three parts to looking at it from the perspective of putting the past behind and starting fresh that we need to consider this morning. And they're crucial for us to go into the new year with a proper mindset and proper spiritual position. And the first of these is to forgive all the hurts, all the misdeeds from the past. This might seem obvious enough. But consider for a second the enormous impact that it can have on you if you don't do this. If you do not forgive. And when I say forgive, I mean forgiving others. The emotional baggage that we carry from the past will taint our viewpoints, will influence our attitudes more than we are willing to admit a lot of the times. We become jaded. We become mistrusting, bitter, angry. Our need to avoid these kinds of emotions are something that Paul specifically addressed in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And we see this in Ephesians 4.31. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put it all away. Get rid of it. And forgiveness is a big and maybe even a key part of this as well. When you think about it, how many times have we heard the term forgive and forget in the same phrase? They are linked. Forgive and forget. We've all heard that expression before, I know. We oftentimes say the expression forgive and forget, but do we take it to heart? Do we really, really let it soak in and understand what it's telling us? But this makes perfect sense when you think about it, because this is exactly how God approaches our transgressions against him. He forgives, and then he forgets. It's done. It's over with. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible tells us. Never to be brought up again. Never to be recalled, recounted. You see, but Satan doesn't want it that way for you. Satan wants you securely rooted in your failures of the past. He wants to remind you of all the times that you have failed God. He wants you reminded of 
all the bad things that have happened to you. He wants you to constantly hold on to that and have grudges and, and to hold anger towards somebody. You see, if he can get you rooted in those things, if he can get you where you're holding on to those things, anchors you in that, those thoughts that you have, all of your motivations and everything suddenly become focused on who? They become focused on yourself. Then it becomes all about you. What about me? What they did to me? But are we really supposed to be focused on ourselves? Suddenly we become so wrapped up in ourselves that our thoughts are no longer where they belong. And that is with the Lord. We have got to constantly remind ourselves to look at things from God's perspective. Too often we let our flesh interfere and we begin to look at it through our own eyes instead of taking a biblical perspective on things. That we must be mindful of the fact that just as God has been faithful to forgive us time and time and time again, we are expected to extend that very same kind of mercy to others. The Bible reminds us that God's mercies are new every day, and I praise God for that, because Lord knows I need them. I fail Him regularly. And I praise the Lord that He doesn't say, well, you've used up this much, you're done. Sorry, you're out. The wells run dry. It's a good thing for us that His mercies are new every day. <clears throat> this is an awesome thought when you really take, take that to heart and consider it. Every day, every single day, God stands ready to forgive us if we are willing to confess our sins to him and repent. It's unjustified, certainly. We certainly aren't worthy of it. And he is absolutely not obligated in any way, shape, or form to do it. And yet, every day, there he is, standing ready to forgive if we are willing to confess and repent. Folks, we serve an awesome God. The second part of that point is that we, are, we must chalk up the difficulties that we have faced in this past year to a form of God's work in our lives. And know for a fact that he expects us to move forward. Now, some have had a rough 2023 medical issues, family issues, monetary issues, spiritual struggles, loss of loved ones, maybe even a combination of all of these things. Some probably look at the year and say, good riddance, get out of here, go away, I'm done with you. It's possible even that some of those difficulties are carrying over that they haven't finished, that we're still carrying those difficulties into the new year. But remember that in Romans, Paul wrote that all things are for our good. God does not allow anything to occur in our life that is not for our benefit. We may not perceive it as such. We may look, we may look at it and say, how in the world is this possibly a good thing for me? But we don't always understand God's plan. We don't always understand what God is doing in our lives. 
We have got to have faith that as difficult as it might be, as big of a struggle as it might be, that God is doing this for our benefit. In some way, shape, or form, we are going to come out the other side better off than we were before. I know that's hard to grasp. And particularly in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in. It's hard to hear the voice or see the movement of God. Even sometimes once the winds have trailed off and the thunders are echoing in the distance, we might still stand there bewildered, wondering how we are better off after all of this. But this is where our faith has got to kick in. We've got to consider that somehow, that now as we are beyond that trial, we have changed. And having weathered the storm, it's time for us to move forward. The third part of that point is just as we are to forgive others, we have got to remember our failures are forgotten through the forgiveness of God. I mentioned it before. Look at, I look at Isaiah 43.25. What is God telling us? He says, I, even I, am thee that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Did you catch that? Did you catch that last part of that expression there? And will not remember thy sins. God says, when I forgive your sins, they're gone. I forget them. All too often we allow ourselves to dwell on our past failures. Now understand when I use the word failure here, I'm not talking about it in the sense of the world sees failure, but I'm talking about the times that we have failed God. This is yet another area where Satan loves to reminisce about the past with you. He relishes the idea that you are constantly dwelling, uh, that you have sinned. One of Satan's favorite phrases to whisper into our ears is, you remember when you... Now understand something here. I'm not talking about unconfessed sin. I'm talking about sin that we have confessed to God, repented of, and moved away from. Unconfessed sin, you should be continuously convicted about. Because that is the work of the Spirit in you to bring you to repentance. Satan doesn't want you repenting, so he's certainly not going to push you to confess your sins. He's happy when you have unconfessed sin in your life. He's like, go, go ahead. You should keep rocking on. What I'm talking about is the times we've confessed the sin. We've repented of the sin. We have tried to move on, and yet Satan keeps saying, yeah, but man, what you did. Through Isaiah, God says to his people, even though you've done things that are sinful, don't remember the former things. I'm not going to concentrate on your problems and failures. I'm going to do something new is what God is telling them. Isn't that exciting to think when God says, I'm going to do something new? It's almost like you want to sit back and say, man, let's see what it is. 
That's always, that's always the way of our God, looking forward. Our enemy wants to look back. Satan wants you to reflect and remember the past. Our Father, on the other hand, always fixes our eyes on the things that are ahead because he's always going to do something, something new. And that brings us to the next point. And that is that we need to look into the new year with a mindset of action. Look into the new year with a mindset of action. As I mentioned before, God is always looking forward. He has a plan. And you know what? His plans involve you. God's plan has you as a participant in it. So what can we do to best prepare for our involvement in this plan that God has for us? I mean, we know that it is quite likely that God has not revealed his entire plan for the year. It's not like he walks around handing out an agenda saying, okay, this is what 2024 holds for you. This is what I want you to do throughout the entire year. It would be fantastic if that were the case, but it's not. He reveals things to us as he needs to. We didn't get that memo, so to speak. But there are things that we can do that perhaps better equip us, make us more effective in the coming days ahead. We need to remember that there are some fundamental parts of our walk with God that come to us, that fall on us to do. You see, God equips us for his callings, but there is work that we can do on our own that helps us individually for our core responsibilities as a Christian. For example, what plans do you have for spiritual growth next year? Have you sat down individually and considered for a second and asked yourself, how am I going to grow in my walk with God next year? What do I need to do to bring myself closer to Him? What do I need to do to strengthen my faith? What do I need to do to make bring clarity to what it is that God has for me to do. Now it's possible you think about this and say, well, God will grow me in these areas that he needs to. Well, yes and no. God certainly is a part of his sovereign plan as ways that he intends to prepare you for the future, but there are aspects of this that fall on your responsibility. Here are some questions to ask that might point you in the right direction. Can you better schedule your day to accommodate time with God? Are there better ways to structure your personal study time to allow you to get more out of it? Is there perhaps a different approach to your study time to allow you to get more out of it? Ways to build on perhaps what you're already doing. Is there a way to make your prayer time more impactful with consideration to things like location, a written prayer list perhaps? scheduling of the time. Those are just some of the kinds of questions we need to be asking ourselves that would allow us to improve our spiritual life, that would allow us to accommodate spiritual growth. But what about kingdom work? What, work, what about the work we need to do to enlarge God's kingdom, enlarge his family. How do you plan to do more to spread the gospel? Are there ways perhaps you could do better to witness 
to prepare to witness? What can you do to make yourself more comfortable, more bold in your approach to others? Are there ways to make yourself more aware of opportunities that God places in front of us? Have we really been looking throughout our day at times when we interact with others and ask ourselves, perhaps God has placed this person in my path so that I might be a witness to them? And what about opportunities to serve him? Service church. Have we become complacent and comfortable in our routine so much that we feel like there's really nothing I need to do? God cannot move you beyond where you are if you're not seeking his leadership in that area. Now we're encouraged by the words of Paul in this same uh, uh, area in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Or 58, I'm sorry, 1558, where it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that you labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's a key little expression in here that we should find encouraging when we do work in the Lord, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the, the, the results that we, we might see. You see, Paul tells the church of Corinth that you know that your labor, the work we do for the Lord, is not in vain when we do it in the Lord. He's telling us that you might not see the results, you might not see the outcome personally, but understand that you never are doing something that is worthless or meaningless when you are doing work for the Lord and you are following His direction. You see, the Christian life is an active life. It's not a passive, laid-back, hey, we're just going to kind of go through the motions. That is not a true Christian life. It's not one of passiveness or inaction. Time and time again, we are called into action by Scripture. We are called to make a kingdom impact. We are to be busy and understand something. Our time is running out to be busy. I think it's not hard to take a look at what's going on in the world today and understand that, you know, Gabriel's licking his lips getting ready to blow that trumpet for the Lord's return. We do not know how much longer we have to labor for the Master. What we do know is that there is little time and a lot of work that still needs to be done. We have got to get ourselves where we feel the urgency. We feel the urgency of the Lord's imminent return and we live our lives out in such a way that we are demonstrating that truth. So what will we do with regard to our plans for the coming year? What are we going to do that show a plan, a mindset of action? Well, throughout this chapter in Isaiah, we see God's desire for reformation in Israel. And that same desire exists today in God for us. That same desire exists in God's heart for us today. Reformation is God's renewing. Renewing in our hearts a passion, clarity, 
about His purpose for us. It's Him reawakening in us a love for His truth, His Word. It is God preparing us for the task of putting on display His glorious salvation through our lives and in our churches. God wants us to do a new thing in you and me today. In our verses this morning, the language spoke of a a new thing that shall spring forth. Or more appropriately, is already springing up. So let's plan for the coming year knowing that God is working in us. He's working for us and He's powerfully working through us. But there is a key. There is something that we absolutely have to do. We have to keep in mind when we do these things. And that brings us to the last point. And that is that we must plan the year out in view of the cross. We must look forward at our year in view of the cross. Why is this important? Why is it important that we plan in view of the cross? Well, it's hugely significant. Because after all, Jesus Christ is at the very center of everything that we do, or should be. Very quickly, there are three reasons, though, why we must keep our future planning in view of the cross. And the first thing is it does for us is that it keeps us humble. While a good plan going into the coming year is certainly something to feel good about, we cannot allow the error of thinking too much of ourselves. Because God's willingness to use us. We've got to remember our plans, whatever they may be, must be in line with God's plans and must recognize that it is God using us in those plans. Not that we're master organizers or super people that are going to go and do great things. No, God is still working through us. We must remain humble in these things. We must remember that it is God's willingness to use us. And regardless of how grand and glorious our plans for the coming year are, all things should be weighed and aligned with the will of God. I mean, think about it. Our lives are to be all about Him. So certainly it makes sense that they would need to be guided by Him, right? Another thing is that by planning in view of the cross, it keeps in view what really matters. It keeps in view what really matters. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, our plans can kind of spider out and spiral into things that really are secondary to the focus of what we should be doing. And suddenly our goals, they're not focused on things of God anymore. They're focused on us. But by keeping it in view of the cross, what keeps us grounded, it keeps us grounded in the truth that understanding none of this needs to be about us. How many times have I told you folks from the pulpit that this life is not about us? (laughs) It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him. Our purpose, our existence is to glorify God. And to enjoy Him forever. So our goals need to be focused and aligned with that truth. 
They need to be God-centered. We are not at the center of the universe regardless of how many times we try to make it that way. All that is, all that exists, and all that was, and all that will be has one purpose and one end, and that is to bring glory to God. And the last part of planning in view of the cross is that it offers us hope. When we plan in view of the cross, it gives us hope. Now many look at the cross and perhaps they see it represents our sin and the sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ. But you know what else it also represents? It also represents victory. Because it is through the cross that Jesus Christ has secured his victory over death and hell. It is through the cross that Jesus Christ has given us a hope. A hope in a world that is stained with sin and rebellion. It is through the cross that Jesus has purchased our reconciliation with a magnificent, gracious, glorious God who loves us dearly. And even when things seem darkest, even when things seem hopeless, that cross reminds us that God's in control. Things may seem like they're spiraling out of control, that they're just, just rambling along at recklessly and, and without any, any means or purpose, but we have got to always remember God is in control. He is on his throne, and he has the last word in everything. So as we begin the new year, let us be renewed. Let us be renewed with the hope of the cross. And let us make a determination, make, make a commitment to be determined to make that very same hope that we have through Jesus Christ known. <clears throat> Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we as Christians have this to look forward to. Maybe it'll be in 2024. I don't know. It could be today. It could be 50, 100, 150 years from now. I don't know. I'm not even going to venture to guess. But we, regardless of when it happens, we have that to look forward to. We know it's coming. It is a hope that we carry with us through our days. In the dark times and in the, in the good times. Sometimes it's difficult in the world we live in when there's so much negativity, so much evil. To hold on to that truth. But here's the thing. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have that hope. You don't have that reality to look forward to. In fact, if you don't have Jesus Christ, this is something you need to be worried about. You need to fear. Because when your time runs out, if you are standing there before God without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're out of luck. Your eternal destiny is locked in and there's nothing you can do about it. And you will forever be separated from God. 
But the wonderful thing about this reality is that God has made it so simple for us. We don't have to try to earn His favor because it wouldn't work. We're sinful creatures and we can never stand in His presence. But God loves us so much that He said, you know what, I'm going to send my Son. I'm going to send my Son to pay the price that they are due to suffer the punishment that they deserve so that they do have a chance for hope. That hope is represented only through Jesus Christ. There is no other name by which we are saved. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't go to church your way to heaven. You can't give your way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you will confess your sins before God, understanding that you bring nothing to the table, that you've got nothing to offer to, to, to reconcile that, and believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross, suffered the full wrath of God for our sins, and rose again three days later, you too can have this blessed hope that Paul was telling Titus about. The blessed hope of Jesus Christ. Let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come once again before your throne, we are thankful that we have had this time together. We thank you for your word. It is truly a blessing, a privilege, and honor, Lord, to step into your word and to hear what you have to say to us. And Lord, as we bring out the new year this day and, and look forward to a, a new year with the, with the rising sun in the morning, Lord, we just we just ask that you be it all it be all about you, Lord. Help us in our hearts to say, this is the year that I am going to live for God. Help us to be energized. Help us to be, to be excited about the prospects that we have to make your name known, to glorify you, to share the gospel. Help us to be full of boldness that, that we are willing to proclaim your gospel and, and regardless of consequence regardless of what it may cost us. Lord, let us make this year all about you in every way in our lives. Let every one of us, everybody that is here, everybody that is the sound of my voice, let us be set on making 2024 a year to glorify you. And Lord, let your path be known to us that we might follow the will that you have for us. And Lord, we love you and praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and BeyondPod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space-Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await his joyful return. Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe he's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Metafield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at providencembcgaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.